But what we keep running into over and over again across the clients that we serve is, you know, everybody is thinking about where is that next wave of value going to come from? How do you really deepen relationships with clients? How do you truly acquire and attract net new customers into your value propositions? And, and most of our clients do struggle answering those two foundational questions. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. As financial services undergo some transformative changes, we talk a lot on this podcast about where the puck is headed. The company or product or service or set of technologies that can answer this question is at a huge advantage as incumbents invest in their digital future and tech firms are gunning for their markets. Nikhil Lele has been thinking about the future of finance a lot. The EY partner leads digital business for the firm's financial services sector, and for the last nine months, he was the lead author and architect of a research study the firm recently published called The Next Wave of Consumer Financial Services. Nikhil and I discuss how he sees consumer financial services being reframed over the next few years, and why the move to subscriptions, like we see with Netflix or other popular consumer services, will likely make a big mark on the industry. Nikhil Lele is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. First, Zach, it's great to be here with you today. Uh, I'm Nikhil Lele. I'm a partner at EY based out of our New York office. I lead our digital business for our financial services sector. And over the last nine months, I've been the lead author and architect of a new research study that we just published called The Next Wave of Consumer Financial Services. Nine months, huh? It took for that research report? There was, it was a really in-depth report. Yes, any labor of love often <laughs> takes some time to materialize. Uh, That's and, a gestation you know, period, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so, and we really approached it two ways, and that's why nine months was nine months. Um, one, we spoke to dozens of clients over a period of time to understand lots of their perspectives around growth and sort of where they see their businesses heading. And we undertook a, a piece of primary research that was very quantitative in nature that took you know, some time to, to materialize. And, and so, so now, now nine months later, we have the culmination of all that to offer. So, so before we jump into the meat of the, of the findings and the discussion around it, I'm curious, like, was there a specific uh, epiphany or something that um, sort of uh, kicked off? Like, what, what was the interest in doing this research beforehand? Like, what prompted it? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think for the past 10 years, we've seen the financial industry really just make great strides on what they've been offering in terms of new and enhanced digital experiences. They've embraced a lot of the emerging technology agenda. But what we keep running into over and over again across the clients that we serve is, you know, everybody is thinking about where is that next wave of value going to come from? How do you really deepen relationships with clients? How do you truly acquire and attract net new customers into your value propositions? And, and most of our clients do struggle answering those two foundational questions. And that prompted us to take a step back and think about, are there factors in this industry beyond the narratives of digital transformation and new emerging technologies that we think are gonna fundamentally change the way financial institutions you know, operate their businesses, serve their clients, offer value, et cetera. And that's really what prompted the research itself is the, the desire to wanna to uncover and really shine a light on what those factors could be and help our institutional clients really understand how they navigate that next wave. So in a way it's skating to where the puck will be 
uh, in a few years, right? Yeah, that's a great way to think about it. Uh, and so one of the, you use this terminology in the report about um, the reframing of consumer financial services over the next five years. Um, can you describe what that word means and, and, it's in, and put it in a larger context for us? Absolutely. So, so reframing for us is about how value creation and value capture will fundamentally change in the years ahead. Right? So for us, reframing is not about core disruption of everything that's going on in the industry. It's definitely not incremental in terms of you know, continuing on its steady pace of evolution. So as we looked into, you know, really the major underlying factors around how consumer behaviors are, you know, continuously changing, how the way in which consumers engage their financial life, you know, there's a very different paradigm around which consumers will prefer to engage. You know, for us, reframing really became how will the way financial institutions create value for customers change in the future. And then the, and the analogies that we always like to refer to because it provides context that the everyday consumer can relate to is, you know, the, the kind of the, the smartphone coming onto the scene didn't just offer a better phone to consumers. It fundamentally reframed the expectation of value around access at your fingertips. Now there's an entirely new industry that surrounds that mobile ecosystem that didn't exist before 2007. And similarly with commerce, you know, the fact that we all expect, you know, two day free delivery from whomever we order it from didn't exist just 15, 20 years ago, but that new expectation anchored to that concept of free delivery has created an entirely new industry that supports this ecosystem of value around a consumer and their everyday needs. We believe that reframing concept is fundamental in financial services because it's, it's about creating an entirely new ecosystem of value around how consumers engage their financial life. So I guess that's a good segue into like exactly how will it be reframed? I know, I know the major finding was this description of a move to financial subscriptions. Uh, can you define what a financial subscription is for our listeners? And I guess describe what's, what's influencing that move as well. Sure. So in our, in our narrative and the research that we conducted, sort of the evolution towards subscription you know, really becomes the final leg of a set of building blocks, right? So the first two of those building blocks, really you can think about them as a different way of you know, really instilling trust and serving a consumer through a new definition of trust. Second is really rethinking what a platform-based ecosystem is in financial services, so moving beyond the mobile apps and online experiences, really into this context of financial services integrated with a marketplace ecosystem, which is the way people consume and interact across all aspects of their digital life is a much more embedded concept with finance. And then finally, as you think about the evolution of the consumer environment as a whole, virtually every aspect of it in this day and age is in some state of evolution towards wanting to rent paper use or just simply subscribe to whatever it is that the consumer wants to access or consume. So this notion of owning core assets, you know, we'll, we'll take home ownership that aside for a second, but 
this ocean of owning core assets really is starting to wane as a core consumer context. And so when we think about financial services evolving into this new direction, it really is following a trend that's being set in every other aspect of consumer life, which means what we're starting to see now is institutions thinking about how we move beyond the current kind of a la carte model, which is product by product based effectively selling into more bundling kinds of solutions, right? So early on, we'll see what we call convenience bundles, which is one or two product bundles that sort of bring simple things together, you know, like investment access and advice, you know, into a, a fixed fee type of arrangement. But over time, we see the bundles becoming more complex and then ultimately oriented around sort of the core framework that we anchored our research, which was a life event based framework. And, and what life event really symbolizes is that financial needs aren't just individual product based needs. They span multiple products through very complex decision making and institutions that are able to actually bundle access to in a curated way the products, the services, and some kind of marketplace access is where we see this evolution moving. And that's you know, ultimately, where we see the models around subscriptions emerging much more prevalently, but how we see bundling of the context evolving in finance. So I want to get back to the, the life events piece, um, but I want, I want to go a little bit deeper on who will offer these services. So like, you know, fee-only planners, I mean, that's a tried and true sort of um, revenue model. Uh, we've seen Charles Schwab also introduce a a, a fee for service, um, some of the new online uh, brokerage, but but uh, do you see? Does this extend to like general, like core banking, towards uh, like generalized financial services as well? And who, where will people go to consume those services? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So when we did the research and quantified really the impact of the new way of doing bundling and offering access to product and services on a more subscription or fixed fee type basis. What we really uncovered was the primary effects and probably the areas where we're going to see the biggest impact, at least in the next three to five years on subscriptions, really span three parts of this overall ecosystem more prevalently. And number one is in banking, because we saw that Consumers across the board, especially the Gen Z, Millennial, and even Gen X consumers, you know, really show a strong preference towards their banks offering more holistic and lifestyle-based bundles that actually serve their needs much more holistically. And this is true both for their existing customers, for whom they can truly deepen relationships by access to a much more transparent and price-certain you know, model of service, as well as for new customers whom they seek to attract, right? And so instead of attracting them based on purely a single product rate, which is either a low APR fee or a high yield on a savings account, they can attract them through the context of, you know, a much more specific value proposition tied to helping and enabling life needs. The second aspect is around wealth management. And this is in some cases counterintuitive, but in other cases, very, very intuitive in the sense that, you know, if you're a core wealth management customer and if you 
treat your wealth advisor as your primary financial institution, then there's a value you ascribe to that human relationship. And, and we see that value of the human relationship only strengthening over time. But what we're also seeing is that the large number of customers of wealth management firms still navigate the complex life and financial decisions that arise on their own. And so there's an unmet need that we uncovered where wealth managers who, who use this new context of bundling and fixed fee-based services as a means to deepen relationships and serve as a true client acquisition strategy will show and, and pay significant dividends based on the data that we have. And then finally, and this is where we really get into some aspects of what truly can become disruptive for financial institutions, is if you have a large technology player, and for us, a large technology player is really a series of simple factors. They have scale, reach, distribution, customers, a strong brand, and a platform-based model, right? So whoever it is that you list that satisfies those six characteristics, if they were to come in and actually start to offer access to these more holistic-based services and bundles, whereby they don't need to become financial institutions, they become the service experience that sit on top of the products themselves, that, our data shows, can be significantly disruptive because consumers across banking and wealth especially show a very strong preference for you know, being willing to engage those big tech firms on those kinds of holistic offerings. That's really interesting. I, I want to come back to, to um, something that I guess I didn't understand, but I'd like to understand better. Um, sort of the finding uh, that these subscription bundles will revolve around um, life events. Um, I guess, can, can you just explain that again? Like, and, and maybe go a little bit deeper in terms of understanding like, what type of life events would make sense um, to, to bundle around. Absolutely. Um, so if you take, for example, the, the couple that's about to get married or have a first or a second child or buy their new home or, you know, all the way through later in life, you, know, you may have a parent who's paying for a wedding or a major event, etc. What we were able to show quite compellingly is that every one of these life events, irrespective of how simple or complex or happy or sad, has two characteristics. Number one, they span a multitude of financial needs that really traverse the traditional silos of finance. So from a consumer's perspective, a life event like one of the ones I just listed have saving needs and spending needs and potential investing needs and potential borrowing needs, protection needs, et cetera. And they all sort of prompt different you know, levels of priorities around these needs at different moments of time. And then number two, what we were also able to show is that irrespective of the life event, every single life event carries with it a strong mix of positive and negative emotional states. And it's through these emotional states that we really got an appreciation that people have a difficult time resolving the complex financial decisions that are required when you're really thinking about cross-financial need issues at the intersection of life. And so when we, when we think about subscriptions in that context, it's about orienting access to a set of products for an individual or family 
at a moment in time that's curated. So if you're the new couple getting married, it's the joint accounts for you know spending, maybe the joint card, but potentially establishing some kind of joint investment account. I remember when I was 22 years old and got approached by my first you know, life insurance salesperson, I sort of shunned them away because I didn't think it was relevant. But if someone were to sit me down back then with an access and explanation and advice around how valuable access to that kind of product can be at that moment in one's life over the long run, it would have put a very different spin on my, my perception and allowed me to actually probably make a wiser choice much earlier on. But, you know, that's what we're talking about here is giving access to curated insight, products, services, and advice, and increasingly now the connectivity to a marketplace where it's not just financial needs. If you're buying a new house, it's potential contractors, it's attorneys, all the workflow, it's home improvement right? specialists, et cetera, all the workflow. That's, that's really where we see the, the context of subscriptions moving around life events. It's, it's holistic in its very nature. That's really interesting. And as you're saying that, my, the, the gears in my head are going around. I'm like, you know, banking has, has focused on products for, for so many years. Um, you know, certain banks are focused on geographies. Other, other ones are focused um, maybe on, on generational, um, you know, targets. But do you envision, given, given the work that you've done with, your, with the research, could you imagine a bank or a financial institution that's focused specifically on, on marriage? Well, so... Or is that just a ridiculous? I don't think banks... Yeah. No, it's certainly not ridiculous, and it's a very realistic outcome where we see institutions expanding their portfolio in this space, right? So we certainly don't see that the current paradigm of really core monetization of products and transactions changing in the foreseeable future, right? So, but what we do see is that the sort of steady movement of the consumer towards this more holistic approach and mindset and access to that from a financial institution will create value over time. So what we do see for sure is that financial institutions start to experiment with new types of commercial models that that may only go to the bundling part of it. Maybe some institutions don't get to the subscription part. And whether you believe subscriptions as a real future in finance or not, what we absolutely see is banks will need to experiment with and learn how to be successful in new commercial paradigms. Because five years from now, if a bank were to see and witness everything that's been happening and then start to experiment with it then, we think it's too late. So we think now is the time and that we wait and see approach really does not apply this go around. We, we believe there's a lot more urgency that each institution should have around learning how to be successful in these new models. Interesting. And we had time for one last question. And I guess um, coming full circle, I mean, there, there are some of these models in the marketplace today. We see that in some of the new challenger digital banks that, that have emerged their subscription models there. Financial planning, as we both discussed, you know, that, that model has been there for a while. I guess, how are those models working today? And, you know, are we just going to see more of those or do, or, do, or do those, I guess what we see in the market today, will those have to evolve along the lines of what you're describing? Yeah, so time will tell. Uh, I think these, these two subscription-based and fixed-fee models are still very new, right? So we've seen several headlines over the last couple of months 
around new subscription-based offerings, whether it's you know investment access with advice bundled for a fixed fee or whether it's a you know a monthly fee-based checking account, but where there's no other fees attached to it, and you get access to free identity protection or you know things like that. And and we believe we're going to start seeing many more of those what we call convenience bundles. And those are bundles of one or two products that bring together simple solutions, but do it in a way that provides a much deeper level of personalization and a much greater level of transparency around pricing that the consumer doesn't necessarily get today. And it's through that evolution, through convenience bundles, that over the next 18 months, we believe we're going to start seeing much more complex lifestyle-based bundles, which really starts to get into more of this life event-based orientation around complex financial needs, spanning multiple silos of the industry, and providing access to a more holistic set of capabilities and services. So, so for us, you know, five-year view was our, our timetable where we predicted we will see the strong you know, effect of all this, but we actually see that a lot of this will you know, start to become real sooner than most industry insiders believe today. Nikhil, thanks for joining, uh, sharing, first of all, joining our podcast and sharing your research with us today. It's great to be here with you, Zach. Thanks for having me.